Last week, I made a statement, and I found out I was a prophet. Didn't know that. I was able to foretell what's going to happen in the future. There is a gift of prophecy, which is foretelling the Word of God, but I also am a prophet that I can tell what's going to happen in the future. If you remember, we started our study last week on holiness, and I said, I'm going to frustrate some of you because I'm going to give you a challenge but not tell you how to accomplish it. I'm a prophet. Some of you are frustrated with me. Some of you came and talked to me. And I'm here to say, remember, hang on from this point forward. That's what I'm going to do is try, try to show you out of God's word what he says you can do as you are learning to live out the holiness that is within you. Remember, last week we talked about the reality, the challenge that God gave us. We traced it from Old Testament through New Testament. We, we looked at the places where he said, in essence, you shall be holy because I am holy. Holiness is not optional. It's not, well, I think I'll be holy or I don't think I want to be holy. No, you will be holy. And then we looked at the fact, the reality of, you are holy if you are a child of God, if if you've been born again. Because when you are born again, He makes you holy. Because He takes up residence in your life in the person of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you are made holy because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But then we have the responsibility to then learn how to work that which was in us into the way we live. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter. And this was one of the verses I used last week. But it says it in what I'm really saying right now in summation here. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 15, and you'll just want to hold this open because we're going to spend uh, basically the rest of our morning in the first chapter of, of uh, Peter, First Peter. But in First Peter chapter 1, verse 15, it says, But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. So he makes us holy when he saves us and then he gives us the responsibility of working with him and him empowering us in order to live out that holiness in how we conduct our lives day in and day out in whatever we do and we all have different lifestyles and we're all to be involved in in that. And today and for the next few Sundays, uh, uh, I am going to step out of it next week because Labor Day got a special message for you on Labor Day, and then we're going to pick it on up in September to talk more about it. We're going to talk about how do you get your conduct in all actions to be holy by allowing Him to do that. And I, I found some some quotes that I want to share with you because. It summarizes very well. Uh, Paul David Tripp is quickly becoming one of my favorite authors. He is a real deep thinker. 
But praise God, he says it in simple ways so I can understand it. Uh, otherwise, I'd be in a heap of trouble. But listen to what he says. Uh, and it's, he's really talking about this concept of holiness without really stating it. He says this, and it's on the screen so you can follow along. Jesus lived the perfect life you and I never, ever could have lived. And now his righteousness is credited to our account. He died the death we should have died. His death satisfied the Father's anger with our sin. He rose again, conquering sin and death so that we would know life eternal too. All of this was done so that the chasm between us and God would be bridged so that we would be fully and eternally accepted into his family, never again to face his rejection, never again to pay the penalty of our sins, and free from having to measure up to his standard in order to garner his love. What needed to be done, Jesus did. The work is complete. He goes on to say, You have been called to give yourself to the work of God's kingdom and to daily obey the commands of the king. But the work you do is never to be done in order to earn something. The work you've been called to is to be done in celebration of something. You don't work to earn God's favor. Rather, your work is a hymn of thanks for the favor that Christ achieved on your behalf. And then he concludes with one last thought. And I pulled this out of a whole chapter of what he wrote. He says, your relationship with God is eternally secure. Now in thankfulness, go out and do his work. I love that, Dr. Tripp. You say it where I can understand it. And in the process, with me preaching on holiness, I'm just amazed. I'm not studying holiness in my quiet time. Matter of fact, I'm doing another study in my quiet time right now. But I just keep seeing, even this week, two out of the seven mornings in this past week that I've had my quiet time, the topic of holiness has come up, even though that's not what I'm studying. And I found a passage, and you don't need to turn to it. It's going to be on the screen in just a moment. Don't put it up yet. But let me set it up. Let me set it up. Oh, there. Did you read it? Good, good. That was a teaser. It's a statement that Zechariah made. Zechariah was a priest. Back in the time, uh, right before Jesus was born. And he was an old man and his wife was an old woman. And we won't classify what that is age-wise or anything like that. But um, his job as the priest, he was appointed one day to go in and to do what priests do in the temple in Jerusalem during this time before Christ. And he's in there doing his priestly thing. And an angel appears. And the angel says, Zechariah, you've been wanting a child. You're going to have one. I know Elizabeth is an older lady, but your wife is going to have a child. Zachariah, being the spiritual giant of a priest that we all are, said, What? 
how can this happen? And the angel said, you'll see. But oh, by the way, since you didn't believe me, you can't talk anymore. And the angel made him mute. Zechariah comes out, and it's obvious something's happened, and he goes, and he explains, I've seen an angel, I can't talk. And months later, Elizabeth gives birth to a boy. And uh, on the eighth day, when they go to circumcise him, as is the custom of the Jews in that day, they looked at Elizabeth, because Zechariah can't talk, and said, what are you going to call him? John? John? No, that's not what they asked him. They said, what are you going to call him? You're going to call him Zechariah? Because that was the tradition. You name your boy after the dad or somebody else in your family. And... Elizabeth said, John. And they all said, you got to be crazy. There's, there's nobody in your family tree even named John. And she said, yep, that's what we're going to name him. Well, of course, they immediately go to Zachariah and said, your wife wants to name this baby John, and you don't have a John. What, what are we going to really call him? And so he grabs a tablet, and he writes four letters, J-O-H-N. John, which is what the angel told him to name his son. And guess what? Zachariah could talk again. And John became John the Baptist, who was the forerunner to prepare the way for the Lord. Listen to what it said now in Luke 1, verse 67 and 68 and 74 and 75. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our so we're going to talk more today about holiness and remember to be holy the, 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 the word is hagios the, do you remember what I told you we, we talked about a lot of different definitions but I, I said it can be summarized basically up in one word what, what is holy it's to be different different is what holy means. And, and, and I ask you what holiness meant to you, and you gave me some good answers, of which I agreed with. But I summarized them all in the fact that really you can wrap up everything that you said last Sunday morning in the fact that holiness, the difference that we demonstrate in our lifestyle, is that we reflect the character of God. That's what we do. And, you know, you can tell a lot by looking at people or things. You know, I can look out here right now. The chair right next to you, uh, 
What, what color is that? Black. Very good. See? See how smart you are? You thought I was going to ask you a really simple question, but I asked you a hard one. It's black. And the reason it's black is because it reflects absolutely no light at all. It absorbs everything, and so we see it as black. Okay? I'm looking around. What color is your jacket, ma'am? White. Because it reflects every ray of light, and thus it is white. And for those of you wearing other colors along the way, you can look and say, well, I'm reflecting some blues and grays. And, you know, I... you can tell about things by their color, what they're absorbing and what they're reflecting. And we are called to reflect the character of God. Isn't it interesting that when we think of that, we think of purity, and when we think of purity, we think of white, not black. And that's what we're going to talk about, is reflecting the very character of God reflecting Him so that we, in that process, we are being holy in all of our conduct. So, go back to First Peter chapter 1 and let's run through this real quick. As quick as I can be, alright? <laughs> That'll make you smile. Look at verse 3. Peter starts out by writing this wonderful just thing of encouragement to, to his uh, folks that have been scattered in the dispersion. And he says, listen, I've got good news for you. Hang on to this good news, folks. You, you're going to like this. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. He is saying to them, he's saying to you, he's saying to me, listen, you have been called by God. God has personally offered you an invitation to come into relationship with him and to live by his power. And he says, but that's just the first part of the good news. The second part is not only have you been called by God, but you've also been given a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now that little phrase, a living hope, to me, it makes me excited. You know, when I read God gives us hope, I think he says, okay, here it is, and you put your hope in that and journey toward it. But when I read a living hope, I think of something that's alive, something that's vibrant, something that's changing. It's like he said, I, you've been called by God, so you have a hope. But oh, by the way, it's a living hope. The more you learn, the more you're going to see. And the more you see, the more you're going to experience. And the more you experience, it's just going to get better and better and better. 
it's like going to worlds of fun and walking through there and seeing all those roller coasters and things like that where you can have the, yeah, I love those kind of things. And looking and saying, wow, someday I'm going to ride the mamba. And then all of a sudden somebody walk up to you and say, oh, by the way, here's a ticket. Go get on. Whoa, yeah, okay. And so you're sitting in the car and you say, wow, this is really cool. I see a whole different perspective. And then all of a sudden, mm, 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 and you go up the clink, 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 and you get to the top and you say, this is some kind of an awesome view. I can see downtown Kansas City. And about that time, over you go. And I love riding in the front car or the back car. Those are the two best cars. You can see it as it's happening, or you can feel it happen in the back. (laughs) To me, that's the living hope. God says, I've called you. Let me show you where you're going. And oh, by the way, I'm going to let you start experiencing it. The more you experience it, the more you're going to want to get involved in it because the more good you're going to see out of it. And God is going to do this thing in your life. And he goes on to say, not only has he called you, not only has he given you living and hope, but he's given you an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. He said, there's a lot of things that you're going to experience in life that are going to come and go. I've been around long enough that I love when people come up to me and show me a new fashion I go, yeah, I remember that back in the 60s. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I remember that. No, Dad, this is is new. Yeah, new to you, but not new to me. Yeah. Those fashions come and they go and they come and they go. God's Word says, the inheritance I'm giving you is going to stay. It is an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled. Nothing's going to mess it up, and it's unfading, and it's kept in heaven for you. I've got it where I've got my eye on it all the time. And when you get home, I'm going to give it all to you. That's an inheritance. I've told my girls, if if I die soon enough, you're going to have something left over after I'm gone. Now, that's presuming that I outlive your mother because she's told me anything I leave, she's spending it all, okay? So I let my girls take that up with my wife, okay? This I don't have to worry about. God says, it's yours. It's yours. Going on down to verse 10, and it gets even more exciting concerning this salvation we've been talking about, the prophets who prophesied about that grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you. Basically what he was saying there is there have been folks that have preceded you 
And I told them this mystery. I told them what was going to happen. And they've written it down. And they've told people. And it's been passed down. And they didn't get to see it. But you get to see it. He's talking to the people that were scattered in the dispersion. But he's talking to you and me as well. We get to see it. I talk with folks every day. It seems like that they'll say, I got to tell you what God's doing in my life. Because they're seeing it, they're experiencing it, and what has been said is happening. It is happening. Now, all of that was his introduction to say, Listen to this good news. You've been called. You've been given a living hope. You've been given a sure salvation, a sure inheritance. And you are getting to experience all of this. It's time to stand up and have a shouting party for Jesus. And then he says, And now let's talk about how you can be involved in making all of your conduct holy Because God who called you is holy. And he said you shall be holy. And in all of your conduct you shall be holy. And that's where we pick it up in verse 13. He says therefore prepare your minds for action. Be sober minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you. At the revelation of Jesus Christ. And as obedient children do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. The first thing that Peter tells these folks, that he's telling us, he says, prepare your minds for action. Literally, if you unpack those words in the original language, basically what what he is saying He's saying this. Take off your robes. Roll up your sleeves. Get ready to go to work, folks. Something's about to happen. And I don't want you sitting around, folded arms, sitting back, waiting for somebody else to do the show. He says, I want you to prepare your minds. Get ready for action. Something's about to happen. He says, discipline your mind. Best illustration I can give you is basketball free throws. We could go out and somebody I'm sure could point me to a hoop somewhere and throw me a basketball and say, T-Mac, shoot some free throws. Because I haven't touched a basketball since I can't remember when. I doubt that I would make very many of them. We've got some people that live up in northeast Kansas that have set some national records of hitting free throw after free throw after free throw. And if I'm ever going to become like that, every day I'm going to have to go out and shoot hoops. Keep shooting every day. If I go out and shoot 100 hoops every day for 365 days a year, come back here a year from now, 
Take me to the same goal, give me that basketball, and I bet I hit a bunch of them. Because it's become muscle memory. It's just the natural thing I do. And I've watched the tape of this guy who hits him. I mean, he hardly even looks at the goal. He just, I mean, it's muscle memory. And that's what, what Peter's saying. He says, prepare your minds. Roll up your sleeves. Get serious about this. Get, get focusing on what you're supposed to focus on and watch what I do with your life. Remember, the power's coming from God, not from you. So he's saying, prepare your minds. And then he said, be sober-minded. Isn't it amazing? The first two things he says, work here. This is where the work begins in making us able to make all of our conduct holy. It starts in our mind. He says, prepare your mind, get ready. And then he said, be sober-minded. I ride with a highway patrolman periodically, and it's, it's amazing because as we watch cars <clears throat> not go straight down the road, we're pretty sure what's going on. And he'll pull them over, and he'll give them the sobriety test and walk the white line, and they can't. You know, they're, you know, they're, they're all over the place. Why? Why can't they walk the white line? I mean, this is not a hard question, folks. What? They're drunk. Thank you, Doc. <laughs> Praise God. They're drunk. Hard answer there. They're drunk. And Peter says, be sober-minded. Now, he's not talking about alcohol here. What, what he's talking about is setting your mind on Christ, on his power. He said, don't be drunk with the world because they'll pull you this way and that way and you'll be unsteady because things come and go and change and this and that. But if you'll set your mind on Christ, he will help you to be steady. He will take you through that. I've worked my whole life with teenagers and I'll try to teach them the word of God and they'll go, got it. But I've got a question for you, T-Mac. If this is what God wants, and this is what he tells me to stay away from, parents, you've heard this classic question. How far can I go over toward this way before I get into trouble? Because I don't want to step over the line and get in trouble. Seldom have I ever had a teenager say, okay, if this is what I'm supposed to do and this is not what I'm supposed to do, how can I become like this? <laughs> the question is always, how far can I go until it's too far? See the difference in perspective? And when we set our minds not on what we're trying to avoid, but set our mind on what we're trying to gain, there's a steadiness. When you go on a diet, if you're going to be successful, you think about where you want to be at the end of your diet. You don't think about, I can't have pie, I can't have pie, I can't have pie. Because if you keep thinking that, what will you have? You're getting better on the hard questions. Good, good. Where you put your mind is where you wind up. Okay? And so he's saying, prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded. And then he said, I love this one. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Remember he talked about 
You've already been given a living hope. And then he says, so take that hope I've already given you. I've already put it in your life. And he says, and set that hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is some of the best news on learning how to live your life to be holy. You can't. You can't do it. But God's grace can. Remember back when we studied grace a few weeks ago? I talked about the fact you need grace in order to be saved. And oh, by the way, you need grace every day in order to live out what he's called you to be. It's not by your power, not by my power, but it is by the very grace of God as he works in us. It's not you, it's not me, it's him doing a work in us. And we put our hope in that grace and we hang on for the ride as he works through us, changing us. Reminds me of superglue. I remember the early days when they first invented that and began to sell it commercially. And there was an ad on TV. I'll never forget it. It just fascinated me as a kid. You know, I'm looking there and there's this, this guy and he says, we've got super glue and it's strong enough to hold anything. And they put a hard hat on this guy and they put super glue on that top of the hard hat. And then he grabbed the hard hat and held it tight on his head and stood up straight and connected his helmet to a piece of metal. And then they lifted the metal off the ground. And with him hanging on to the hat, and the hat hanging on to the iron because of super glue, it pulled him off the ground. That's what he's talking about. Put that living hope that I've given you into the grace of God and let the grace of God work in your life. And you just keep hanging on saying, it's grace, it's grace. Teach me, teach me, show me, show me. I'm hanging on. You do it. And all of a sudden, we're being lifted up and that living hope is getting broader and broader because we're seeing more and more of what He's doing to change your life. Will you still stumble and fall? Yes. Will I still stumble and fall? Okay, folks. This was your time to say, yes, you will mess up. Will you mess up? Will I mess up? You better believe I will. But by the grace of God, my sins have been forgiven, past, present, and even future. And if I'll hang on to Him, He will do a work of transformation in our life where we'll stumble less and less and become stronger and stronger because we're hanging on tighter and tighter. And you want to know the real secret? You just think you're hanging on. And you are hanging on to that hard hat. But there's something even better going on. I've got to pick on somebody that'll trust me. Lance. Stand up, Lance. Okay. We're about the same size. Pretty close. Look about the same. Pretty close. Okay. This is me now. 
okay? And you reach up and hang on to the grace. Get your hands up. Hang on to the grace. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on, man. And I think I'm really doing a good job. And while I'm being lifted up the ground, God says, no, I got you. I got you. You're going where I'm wanting you to go. And you're going to have to fight me to let go. Thank you. Receive it. Listen, as much as you think you're hanging on, the good news is God is hanging on to you. He's hanging on to you. You're not out there by yourself. It's not up to you. It's up to Him. And you're going to have to fight Him to break Him loose from you. And if you fight Him, He'll let you go. He'll let you wander. He'll let you stray. He'll let you mess up. But He's never going to leave you. Never going to leave you. Keep on keeping on. And finally, not only that, but then he gets to the last part of it in verse 14, and then he says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. You see, there at the end he says, Just be obedient to what I'm teaching you. Just learn to say, Yes, God. Just learn to say yes. Scared? Say yes. Confident? Say yes. Anything in between? Say yes. And how do you do that? How do you come to that point where you are obedient children and you're not conforming to the passions of your former ignorance? You remember who your daddy is. There's a catchphrase that was going around a few years ago. Who's your daddy? Listen, that originated with God. He said, I am your heavenly father. And you can call me Abba Father just like my son did. Because I'm your daddy. So don't chase after somebody that is less than your dad. Chase after one who loves you, who sent his son to die for you, and now empowers you once you become a believer to help you hang on, you think, because he's hanging on to you. And he is beginning to produce something in your life. Let me give you a catchphrase. Write it down. You're going to need this in the days ahead. Holiness is not the way to Jesus. Holiness is not the way to Jesus. Jesus is the way to holiness. Don't get drunk on the world. Don't get it backwards. Get it right. If you try to be holy because you think that's going to get you closer to Jesus, uh uh-uh, not going to happen. But when you focus on Jesus every day, He will produce holiness in you. Jesus is the way to holiness. Jesus produces the holiness. If you know Him as your Savior and your Lord. Let's pray.
Father, if there's anybody here today that doesn't know Jesus, they don't have a personal relationship with him, Lord, today would be a great day, the best day I know of. Matter of fact, the only day we're sure of where they can allow that to happen in their life by inviting you in. And Father, for those of us who are believers, today is the great day when we can remember who our daddy is. And we can just hang on to Jesus because Jesus will produce the holiness in us as we stumble and fall, He will pick us up. He will dust us off. He will show us. He will help us. His grace will empower us through the Holy Spirit to see the transformational changes day by day and change us over a lifetime to be different. And Father, today I pray that You will speak life to people and help them to grab a hold of the truth that You're speaking to them. And that today, decisions will be made deep in their hearts that they're going to turn to you and accept Christ as Savior. And for those who know him as Savior, we'll make him Lord. And I pray this in Christ's name. As we have our time of response this morning, I'm going to ask the elders to come up. And and I want to ask you some questions. Is God speaking to you, saying, you know, you just need to... Come to know me personally. Maybe you want to come down. These men will be up here to talk to you, to show you out of God's word how you can have that personal relationship with Christ. Maybe some of you are saying, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. But I, I want to tap into this holiness thing because God told me to do it. And so I want to rededicate my life. There's some of you that... You've been coming a long time and you want to be part of a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. And you say, I want to be part of that, that body of Christ, that local body of Christ. And you want to move your membership to be part of us. Maybe some of you want to follow the Lord in believer's baptism because you've never been obedient to what He told you to do after you became a Christian, to be baptized. Oh, maybe somebody here and God's just talking to your heart like they did to me one time. God looked me square in the eye and said, I'm calling you to do something special with your life. And I said, who, me? And he said, no, me through you. And he's made all the difference in the world. Would you stand? Would you listen to the Spirit of God? Elders be down here. And if there's a decision you need to make, you just come up to these guys share with them what's, what you need to talk about or the decision you have already made. The invitation will not be long. You come now as Christ speaks to you. This is your time to respond.